1: Is the California kid, Uriah Faber. He is one of the most recognizable names and faces in combat sports and MMA. He is a UFC Hall of Famer, an MMA and combat sports legend, and a born entrepreneur. A lot of people do not know. That he is a, such a successful entrepreneur with such a vast experience, as well as a very successful real estate investor. And this episode is something I've been trying to get for a long time. I've been trying to get Uriah on. It was really awesome of him to come on and share his experience. There were so many different things we could talk about, but I thought he brought a lot of really good information on that You could put and apply immediately to your business, to your real estate, to your life or to your boxing jujitsu, and martial arts. So this is really a check all the boxes episode because a lot of people don't know how many things he he's done in the past. And he's found success in so many different avenues. And I just really appreciated the fact of all the things he was able to share. You talk about a guy who's 40, 41 years old, but literally has two, three lifetimes worth of experiences and lessons that he can bring to the table and give you for things that made him a lot of money and things that cost him a lot of time and stress and money. And he shares a lot of experiences on investing, investing through the crash, taking a single family home in a tertiary market and doing things like 1031s to build it into a multi-million dollar commercial deal that's increased his net worth over five million dollars. And again, he'll talk about this a lot, but his net worth's actually gone up since he stopped fighting because the true way to make money and build wealth is through business and real estate and entrepreneurship, and this was just another stream of income with the fighting. So as much as he's accomplished in the cage and on the mats, he's done even more off, which we get to dig into a lot of that side of it. So I'm very excited for this episode. He'll talk about dealing with expectations and pressures and prioritizing your day and some tactical ways to take, take real estate down, how to have patience, why it pays off, how to deal with disappointment with partners and people and life and just different things that we all go to and what to focus on. And he just brings a a ton of really great, valuable and and outstanding information to apply. I really enjoyed talking to him. I really enjoyed this episode and shout out to my buddy Alec for putting this together. And thank you, Raya, for coming on. Check all the show notes to follow him and all the different businesses he's in, whether it's production or MMA University or ASEE and all those different things. So thank you very much. This is awesome. I hope you guys really like that. And also, we're just coming back from New York, so I do want to give a shout out to my buddy, Raging Ally Akinta, and Matt Sarah, Ray, Longo, the whole Sarah Longo team, John Volante making his retirement fight there. And so I want to give a shout out to everybody who competed on that card, because those guys that go out there, win or lose when they fight, they have worked their entire life to go and do those things. And people don't see what the Ally Akintas of the world do for putting in decades and decades of sacrifice and discipline and hard work dieting, training, all these things, going to the gym on the days you don't want to, putting it all in line, dealing with the emotional and the physical and the mental stress and struggles, going into a fight on a big stage for the whole world to see, not knowing what's going to happen. And I just can't see enough good things about him. Personally, professionally, he is always and will continue to inspire me inside and outside of the cage. And that's a guy who's always going to wind up winning and being on top, no matter what he does, because of his ability to take chances, swing the bat, and just go after it 100% and make no excuses. You know, he... He's really taken life by the balls and going after it and, and just making his best to just you know swing for the fences and do everything he wants to do and travel the world and buy real estate and make money and inspire people and speak on stages and fight in front of millions of people all across the world. And uh, you know what more can you say? At the end of that guy's life, he's not going to be somebody sitting in a rocking chair with a bunch of regrets about the chances he didn't take. He's going to be sitting on a ton of experiences, a ton of money, a bunch of properties, and highlights for years and years that he can show his kids and his grandkids of all the exciting fights that he's brought not only me but millions of fans across the entire planet for you know forever now that's cemented in as one of the most exciting legendary fighters in the history of the UFC so again I can't say enough great things about my buddy Raging Ally Quinta, and about Matt Sarah and Ray Longo thank you so much for everything you guys do and uh, you know respect anybody who's going out there chasing their goals and trying to live their best life Secondly, this podcast, speaking of living your best life, if you want to get involved in real estate and you need some money, let's get you some money. This episode is sponsored by Nationwide Business Capital Group. You can go to nicknicknick.com slash links on there. You'll see all the ways to connect with me on social media. Please follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all those different things. And then under links, you will see email Marianne to get some money. And Marianne with Nationwide Business Capital Group will get you anything you need. She's one of the most creative lenders out there, whether you're looking for rentals, fix and flips, land developments, bridge loans, commercial stuff. She is somebody who can get you what you need with some of the most competitive rates in terms in the business. So if you're new and you don't even know what to ask and you're just starting out, that's okay. Give her a call. Tell her the A-Game podcast sent you over and get the conversation going and see how she can give you some money. If you are experienced and you want some more competitive rates in terms, cheaper money, easier money, that's what we're here for as well. So she can get creative. She can get uh, she can get pretty exciting with this stuff. So again, reach out to her, find out how much she can give you, what she can get, what she needs, and let's get, get you doing some deals. So reach out to me now. If you want to start getting into some real estate, let's get that going too. Or we can start working together. If you want to buy properties from me, if you want to sell properties to me, or if you want to find a way to partner up on some deals, let's make it happen. Reach out to me, direct message me on any and all those real estate podcasts. Uh, platforms on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, any of the stuff through nicknicknick.com slash links or email me podcast at nicknicknick.com and just say, let's start doing some deals together and we will figure out how to get you into some single family homes, some rentals, some small multifamily or mobile home parts, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you to fit in. And last but certainly not least, if you are looking for a checklist on all the ways to bring more value to your buyers, if you are a real estate wholesaler, agent or broker, go to nicknicknick.com slash bigger pockets for your free checklist. Thank you for listening. This was a bucket list guest for me. It was one of the most... um, Thank you for listening. This was a bucket list guest for me. It was a big deal. I've wanted him on for a long time, and I cannot thank you, Ryo Faber enough for coming on and sharing his valuable life and business experiences on and off the mats. Thank you guys for listening. And once again, huge respect and admiration for Matt Sever, Ray Longo, and Raging Al Ayakunta. Check out his show, Call Me Al Show. It is his podcast on haps that you can follow every thursday it's live it's interactive you can get it everywhere you get your podcast but definitely support that man check out his podcast every thursday The call me al show it's not a podcast you will love it it's absolutely one of the most exciting podcasts out there and you can jump on live on the haps app and actually interact with al and the guest and the host and stuff so it's an amazing experience i'll put a link in the show notes check out the show notes also for all the ways to follow you favor have a great day everybody thank you all right, my guest today on the A-Game Podcast is an entrepreneur, investor, and professional MMA fighter. He is a fighter fitness and financial coach, as well as the founder of Team Alpha Male and Uriah Faber Ultimate Fitness. He is a UFC legend and Hall of Famer, as well as a former WEC featherweight champion. He is part of some of the most legendary fights and battles in the sport of MMA. He's an entrepreneur, founder of MMA University, an interactive online platform, which we will talk more about author of the outstanding book, Laws of the Ring, host of the CaliCast podcast, brand builder, staple of Sacramento, California, real estate investor, keynote speaker, production company, asai company. He does it all. Proud father, the California kid. Thank you for being on the 8-Game podcast. You're right,
2: favor. Oh, my pleasure, man. Good to talk to you, bro. I appreciate it.
1: Definitely, dude. So uh, Eddie Fivey, uh, I know I heard him on your po- uh, you on the podcast stuff he was doing during uh, Corona. And I just, I've been trying to get you on, man. I was really excited to talk to you. You have been a lot of what this podcast is about, which is finding guys that are athletes that really take that same work ethic and that same mindset and discipline and turn it into something, preferably real estate, and wind up killing it with it. So after reading your book and talking to some of our mutual friends, like shout out to Raging Al Ayakinta, um, but you know, yeah. you're inspiration in him, man, and uh, being his coach and helping him get that start. So I really appreciate you coming. on. I'm really excited to talk to you and I want to jump right into the real estate stuff, man. So you know, what was it? Talk about what got you into real estate, what got you excited in real estate and what your first deal looked like.
2: So, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of funny. My, my, my family, my dad's been a builder, you know, by trade, he was a framer and then became a contractor himself and um, was never great on the business side, but a really skilled guy and a, and a really fair guy and a guy that was great at building relationships. And so I learned a lot of that from him, like kind of the love for for the construction side of things and then on my mom and my stepdad's side they started a tiny little coffee shop and we've been struggling financially for a lot of years i think it was about the seventh grade where we decided to do like a 400 square foot coffee shop called morning glory and um did the construction it took us like a whole year to revamp this whole thing put our little uh you know heart and souls into it did all the work in there ourselves and then that little coffee shop in our small town of seven thousand people Ended up having my my mom and her my stepdad buying properties during a time when you could get properties with state income loans etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So I saw it on both sides the construction side the small business side and, and how that small business turned into you know investment properties etc. And um, unfortunately my 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 mom side my mom and my stepdad lost a lot of the stuff during the big crash in two thousand seven and eight and like learned some hard lessons there. And then my dad has been you know, an active contractor this whole time, but he's done a lot of work for me over the years. And, um, and so at this point, you know, I feel like it's kind of in my blood, even though there hasn't been a ton of success on either side, it's been a lot of hard lessons and a lot of kind of learn know-how and, and then my own twists on it. So my, my first deal was back before the, the, the economy crashed when you could do anything and get a loan. Right. I had a guy who was my college roommate. And he was like, Hey, I can get you a loan. And I was making like $11,000 a year. And not all of that was even, uh, you know, above books and it was cash deals and coaching guys and stuff like that. And he's like, I can get, I got a loan for $300,000. And part of the reason why the economy crashed, if you look at the big short, you know, stated income loan, my work history was I went to school as a teacher and I started a business coaching kids that didn't really make too much money. And, um, but uh, that allowed me to get my first house, and I filled that house with, with a bunch of struggling fighters. So we had people on the couch, guys like TJ, uh, Lance Palmer, and um, you know Chad Mendes lived on the block, and, and the list goes on. So um, that house turned into another house, which turned into another house, another house, all on the same block uh, from there. I started moving on to, to, to some other projects and and tried to hold on for the most part uh, to, to the real estate and make it kind of work for me.
1: That's awesome. Man. And, I, and I love that model. We were just talking a little bit before we started recording on that's extremely similar to what Raging Ally Kent is doing right now with his stuff out on Long Island. So I love that model, especially I'm a big fan of markets that are tertiary markets outside major cities for getting them even if the cash flow isn't amazing off the bat, which what you were doing is a very smart play, but watching how they start to grow when people look at, okay, I'm, I'm priced out of San Francisco, I'm priced out of New York City, but I can still get something at an affordable price and be close enough that I can commute for work. And that's where the Long Islands and the Sacramentos kind of go up. And I remember years ago, talking to a lot of California investors, and they were picking stuff up for like, you know, 220, 240, 250 in Sacramento And then like a year or two ago, you're looking at those same houses and people are knocking them down to build second stories, paying six, seven, eight hundred grand. So holding those for cash flow, did you get a great appreciation game on that, too, over time? And did you do things like pulling out the the equity to refinance and pushing in other properties? Like what was the long term play on those after you started getting cash flow?
2: So um, those are all great questions. And, And first and foremost, on the block, it was, you know, this paying for for itself, it wasn't a big cash flow thing, but the appreciation absolutely. I mean, that's the one thing about real estate: the longer you hold on to it, uh, I mean, you can blow up blow up a house and dig a ditch, you still own that land. They're not making more of it. So as long as you're in a place where there's not infinite amount of of land where people can just start over, uh, you've got something there. So holding on and time flies. I mean, it seems like yesterday, but you know, my first deal was in 2000 and four i think uh and then you go okay i'm almost in 20 years from my first deal and if you look at the uh, the value of money and you know depreciation the, you know all all the different things that that happen that make property a uh, a great deal you know that that's what i was playing on and so I, I always paid the bills maybe a little bit of cash on that but I, I built other things out of it you know i built a a team and i built a gym and i built um, you know, a a network and an understanding of how, how things were going. And all of a sudden you see these little buckets of cash that you have. So once I started to get that down, then I could be more uh, pointed with my, with, with my uh, real estate investing. So one big deal where I did do exactly what you're saying is take money out was uh, the first house that I bought. that was distressed and actually raging out came out over back and this is probably what he's talking about where i was able to influence him back you know when i coached the ultimate fighter i think he came out and did a couple of sessions over with our team and and hung out and and i was revamping this this old victorian i bought the victorian in downtown sacramento built in 1890 three stories uh for 227 thousand dollars cash <clears throat> and i just had a big exit from a clothing company that i had started form athletics um and i it was like the first time i had like to do something with my money because I was going get, to get hit with a big tax bill. And so I bought that house and over the next, I bought it cash for 223 over the next couple of years, really, because it took forever. It was a burnt down building to revamp. I had my dad working on it and I probably put in $400,000 and I was fighting and putting money in and fighting and putting money in. So at the end of the day, I was in about 600, a little over $600,000 in this brand new, really, really high end triplex that I then started running out. And and so I immediately took, uh, $300,000 back out as soon as I was was done. So I was into $300,000 cash. I took that $300,000 and I, and I, uh, got another house in 2013 or 2012, I think. And I bought that first one, 2010 or 2011. Um, and just did the down payment with that money that I took out. And then I did the same thing as I put, cash in to remodel that thing and that's the one i live in i did the same thing with that to purchase this building that we're sitting in which is the deal of all deals this was my grand slam home run uh at the time i i purchased it i think it had appraised for 9.4 originally i didn't get the loans done it did go through by the time i got them all done almost a year later it appraised for 10.4 and i locked it in at four point or 5.3 million so these little base hits turned into big hits for me. And now I'm, I'm, I'm in a position where I'm working on getting national tenants in this commercial space. It's two acres right across from the, the, uh, the baseball or the, the only university in town and, uh, and the big freeway on the other side. And um, I'm really now playing Monopoly and, and, it's, and it's super inspiring and it's making me think bigger.
1: That's sick, dude. Congrats on that. Those numbers look awesome.
2: Thank you. Yeah, it's yeah. There's good ones. In, in the Victorian, the first one that I bought for two twenty three, now it's worth probably right under a million. And I'm Airbnbing it. I can get, you know, ten thousand dollars a month in Airbnb revenue out of that place. It's in the heart of downtown Sacramento. Two twenty
1: three. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. You know, looking at that, I know you said you bought them prior to the the crash. When that happened, being that you had you know, almost built in tenants from your reputation with the team and with people coming in. I had actually met you right when Al got back. We met a couple of times just uh, in Vegas when I was out there for like this, Sara Longo guys fights and stuff. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm friends with Raging Allen. You're like, yeah, he just like showed up at my door a couple of weeks ago and like stayed and started training and stuff. So I liked that he was telling me like what like an open door policy you had and everybody you show up there and guys were like cooking for each other and training together and then hanging out together. And it just seemed like a really great environment to just grow and, and be around like minded people. And, you know, you see that a little bit more now, but I feel like you were one of the only guys that was really doing it at that time. You didn't really hear about a lot of that and the fact that it was kind of your thing too and you own the real estate just such a a smart business plan
2: yeah it was cool i mean it was really just it wasn't a thought out thing it was just kind of organic i was really excited about what i'm doing and a lot of times when you follow your passion you know you read my book i'm all about following your passion uh you want to spread that you want to share it and 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 that's the way kind of person i am i'm like like why would you not want to do what i'm doing i like train all day, hang out with my buddies, travel, you know, make my own schedule, you I know, mean, working really hard, but doing things you want. So I'm spreading the word and recruiting guys, I think would be good at it because for me, it's, it's not like, uh, I'm not an insecure guy where it's like just me, you know, it's like, you know, let's build a, a group of badasses and let's all help each other. And your success is my success. And, you know, that, that kind of mentality has been huge. And I think, I have been able to do that. I know I talked to Cowboy Cerrone back way back in the day before he started his BFA map, you know, bad motherfucker branch or whatever it is. And I talked to Al about it back in the day and, and, uh, Mike Kiesa about how, you know, people try to get me to leave my team to go join one of the big teams. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to build it here. And they're kind of doing it out there with, with Rick, Rick Lee, who's, who's a, a longtime friend and coach out there, uh, for, for their, you know, their team has built some killers you know and so it's cool man i, I feel like I've, I've been able to have an influence on that um and, and like you said i bought the houses before the crash i bought two oh my first house before the crash the second one kind of in like when we didn't really know it was a real big crash but things were coming down and then two of them at the bottom of the market and then uh The Victorian was bought at the bottom of the market in 2010. So I was able to identify, like, oh my gosh, there's some deals out here right now. And it's cool to be able to, you know, learn just by doing. And and, uh, that's the fight game and it's also the real estate game.
1: I think it's an awesome lesson though, because the patience in real estate is such a big thing. And I know so many people that bought and then that crash happened and they might have had on paper negative equity or the value started coming down. But if you were able to just sustain that cash flow, or even be at a break even point, and you waited it out, real estate across the pretty much world right now is more expensive than it's ever been in history. And some of those ones that I almost regretted buying, because it was like, oh, man, it was a bad time. They still cash flowed every day. And now, you know, even during the pandemic, you're looking at houses that I own almost free and clear, and they're worth, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars that you know, you almost thought they were in bad investment at that time. So I love yeah. the fact that you held them through there and then you get to see how, you know, over time, it's always going to be a good investment. Even if you can just wait out some of those bumps and bruises, I think the patience is key. And I, obviously, I think you have that not only in business, but in fighting, it's it's really been key to your longevity.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You don't, you know, don't freak out, you know, keep your poker face and, and a uh, positive attitude and, and find a way. Right. <laughs> um, it's funny. Cause The first house that I bought and just now knowing how ass backwards it was back then, because anybody could get a loan. I was literally making $7,000 on salary a year for 10 months obligation coaching wrestling, which was my passion for the college. Then I was coaching kids, maybe making a couple thousand bucks, uh, you know, working for other people. And then I started my own business where I was like, squeaking by but like coaching here and coaching there and I ran my my college coaches camp through my business and I just kept my like two thousand bucks and gave them like thirty thousand bucks but all of a sudden I had all this money go through my account that made it seem like I had a thriving business and uh, and I was able to get a loan for that for that house the very first house for three hundred thousand dollars now when the crash happened that three hundred thousand value went down to hundred fifteen thousand dollars. But I stuck it out because I felt I, I I filled it with the fighters and we, you know, kept the payments going. I never defaulted, never, never, you know, got rid of the house and then waited till it came back up. And I ended up selling that house, made a profit. But if I look at it right now, I would have made another 70, 80 grand if I hold on. So it's like one of those things where you, you can't always, you can't always pick it the way you want it. But, uh if you just wait, if you just wait, and wait, and wait, then you're, it's a good place to be a hoarder in the real estate game.
1: <laughs> I love that too. And you know, I know, uh, congratulations on the kids, you know, you're a family man now. And yeah. I know I've talked to, I talked to Weidman about this, but I know he picked up three properties and was like, I'm just going to hold these. And these are going to be my kids' properties and I'll teach them about business and real estate. And when they're 18, 19, 20, You'll have the decision of do you want to sell this and do whatever with the money, or do you want to you know continue this and build a business out of it? Do you yeah. have any like long term plans for this now that you have you know your kids you're building a future for? Is it exciting to maybe hold these and like pass them down and then teach your kids about the business and really start to build an empire and a legacy for them?
2: Yeah, i I mean I'm I'm all in on the on the parenting thing, so about all the ways, and I don't think there's a a a complete like game plan of how I want to do it as far as teaching them business. But I want, I do want to teach them about, uh, you know, what I've learned and try to apply it, uh, get them involved in the family business, whatever it is at that time. Cause it could change. You know, I've had a lot of things that are moving, moving parts. And, uh, and so for me, I just had a great lesson. I'm, I'm in an EO group, entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial organization which is basically a, a peer group of other leaders, the owners of their businesses. And I learned so much through, through sitting through and being part of those meetings once a month and no phones, five hours. And there's a certain way you communicate like you, you're able to give your own experiences, not advice because we're all a type personalities in there. And, and we do personal stuff. But we do business stuff. we, we go over all this stuff and I've learned so much in there. So I think the biggest thing for me is really involving my kids as they get older in what's going on and let them sit through these deals. Uh, Lorenzo Fertino is, is a, is a big mentor of mine. He's a great guy, you know, all the money in the world, but he puts his kids first, like first and foremost, he's thinking about those kids. He puts everything aside for their opportunities. I've seen him come out here and coach them for their football and, and, uh, And, you know, he's called me on on some of my fights and been like, hey, I'm not going to make it. Good luck. I'm out here, you know, touring colleges with my boys. And and then I've actually been in negotiations for my contracts and had his son sitting in the negotiation with him when he was still in college. And I just thought that was really cool. Uh, I also just met a guy who's talking about doing some UFC gym franchises because I have two UFC gym franchises here in Sacramento. And he's a 20-year-old guy. And I'm I'm talking to him. I feel like I'm I'm talking to a 50 year old guy when it comes to knowledge on business and the stuff he's saying. And I'm like, wow, like his his in depth knowledge. <clears throat> and it turns out same kind of deal. He his dad. He's been doing with his doing business with his dad since he was 10 years old, sitting in on deals, finding the inner inner workings of it. So I don't know about leaving this stuff because I don't know if I'll still have it. If it's a good play to to exit because the uh, time is right and I have a play for something else, I may do that. I think. Staying malleable is, is, is important in this game, but definitely bringing them along for the ride is going to be something that I do.
1: I think that that's awesome, man. You know, and one of the things I love about being an entrepreneur and, and knowing the experience that some of the guys like Al and I, Quinta and uh, Joe and Wyman and, and guys like yourself, watching what they do to get to where you've gotten in your MMA career and then knowing what it takes as an entrepreneur on the business side and just the beatings and stuff. Now with social media, it's almost like everybody only sees the Lamborghinis and the girls, and my yeah. dad sees you sitting in like this thing, but they don't understand what actually goes into it and all the things that go wrong and all the stress, like you said, just you taking those beatings when the market went down and like panicking and just having to make a decision of I'm gonna tough this out and see what happens and having it work out. A lot of other people didn't have the stomach for it, you know, and, and uh, Aljo has a shirt that I always love, and it says it's what I do when no one's watching. and I thought that like that was such a great thing because you watch him you know, fighting for the title or they watch you like winning all these fights and they don't realize that that wasn't about that night. It was about the months and the meals and the training and the the mindset and all those decisions that led up to that got you where it is. And I, I don't think people see that enough. So- I've heard you talk about sacrifice before and what a big part it is to your success. And I just love to go into that topic because I just think it's so important for everybody where they are in life and business to hear and understand that it's not always sunshine and rainbows. It, there is a lot of shit you have to get through, but if you're willing to tough it out and you have the right mindset and the right tenacity, it really pays off in the end.
2: Oh man, it's, it's so true. And it's funny because you're, you're mentioning raging out and, uh, and also Al Jermaine and and, and um, you know, Sean, uh, Ray Longo and, and Sarah, I freaking love those guys, man. Those guys are salt to the earth. And I remember conversations that I've had with Al. Al was my first pick on the ultimate fighter. And the big reason why I watched, and I picked him first is because, and I said this number one in, in which Ray, Ray Longo and Sarah were like, love me after that. We've had a great relationship since Is like, first off, they come from great coaches Longo and Sarah's a world champion in, in a shocking world champion, you know, beat, beat, you know, the best ever George St. Pierre at one point. And then uh, I watched some of the fights that Ray, that uh, Ally Quentin, he had the kind of grit that you cannot teach, like just getting rocked and coming back and just like exactly what you're talking about. That's what I saw on Al and why I picked him over some of the other guys. And then uh, I remember a conversation I had with Aljamain, at the at the awards, the UFC awards, and he was kind of picking my brain and also showing me a lot of respect, which I thought was really cool. He was an up-and-comer, and he was talking about, you know, people have been talking about him fighting me. And he's like, But there's so many other people to fight, and he kind of likes me, and but this and that. And I was like, Well, I I respect that. I had that conversation. So I love I love that whole crew and, and what they're all about. They're just salt of the earth people. And yeah, with the licks coming i mean bj penn talked about this the other day he, he just has had some great things happen in his life and you know in his family life and his personal life and he and he related back and he said just stay ready favor because you never know when that title shot's coming you never know when the title shot's coming And he was figuratively talking about some other things that were happening great in his life but it is that like you stay prepared you stay in the game even this gym and this commercial real estate this was a hard hard fight to get this thing to to go through some hard times in the gym, some bad uh, partners that I had that one guy turned around and sued me because he's a piece of shit. And, uh, and, and, uh, you know, having things look like it wasn't going to go well, but just sticking with it. You know, you stay in the fight, dude, you stay in the fight and, and, and your moments will come.
1: So that whole mindset behind taking beatings and continuing to move forward. I feel like I learned that through boxing and martial arts and, you know, being surrounded with guys like Ray and uh, and Matt. And by the way, I remember when you said those things on the ultimate fighter about Matt and Ray and I texted them both and I was like, Oh, that just made me like him so much more. So I cannot say enough great things uh, personally and professionally about Matt Sarah and Ray Lago. Awesome guys. But, you know, you've had a long history of, of being an entrepreneur and trying all these different things. What kind of things do you tell yourself when stuff gets tough to really stay calm? And is that something that you learned from fighting and wrestling or is that something you already had that just, helped you excel in the sport
2: um it's a mix you know i don't know if wrestling chooses the wrestler or, or, or vice versa uh but you know i think you get tougher skin as, as you go older like me i see myself as a uh, as a really positive guy and i try to see the best in people and i've had some hard lessons on just individuals like i put a lot of trust and thinking everybody's has like a good hearted mentality and you have to really understand that not everybody have have the best intentions and uh you know i feel like my dad was like that too he was like a guy that is just like happy go lucky thinks everybody has the best intentions and gives everybody the benefit of the doubt And, and i've i've learned the hard way through uh you know, bad experiences with the team, with other things that, you know, with business that you can't, you gotta be real smart about who you team up with and who you let into your circle. And um, it doesn't mean like stay guarded. It just means be more mindful of, of, of the, the traits and attributes that you wanna see in, in the people you surround yourself with. So surround yourself with the right people is a big, big thing and learning from your, from your, from your hard lessons is a big thing. And, and, and not being gullible twice or, or identifying a type of, of situation that has happened in the past. And, um, and then you learn to have thick skin because, you know, you have to be the one that keeps on going and, and looks out for your best interests. And it can't always be help everyone else, even if, you, if it's part of your instinct, you know?
1: No, I love that, man. I, and everything you're saying is, is, exactly the kind of stuff that I went through and I'm sure a lot of people doing it, but people that I thought I could trust really wound up letting me down personally, letting me down professionally, screwing me out of a lot of money. And, you know, it's always the person you never thought it was going to come from. People are like, well, this guy wouldn't do it to me. I'm like, that's what everybody sees. But, you know, as I get more experience in this business, I've had to take some of that funness and that trust and that excitability to bring everybody in out. And like you said, put a little bit of a shield up. And I feel like people think when you get to your level that maybe that stuff doesn't happen anymore. And what I'm starting to find is the more successful entrepreneurs I talk to and my own experiences is they still happen, but I'm so much quicker at being able to identify the red flag and say, I already know where this is going to wind up three, six, nine months from now. And I stop it in its tracks before it's a major problem. Are, are you yeah. finding a lot of that from those lessons that, you know, they don't necessarily go away. You just get better at kind of sniffing out the bullshit sooner.
2: I would say that. And then, you know, it's something that that's a great lesson and, And it takes a person that can't be jealous and worried about, you know, what other people has is I've been a really good connector and sometimes I'm involved and sometimes I'm not. But if I see a good match or a good, a good, uh, blend of people or something where this guy could help that guy out and they're both good people in my mind, I'll connect them. And sometimes I'll, I'll get some sort of reward from it. And sometimes I won't. But a lot of times when you do it and it doesn't have an immediate reward for you, somehow it comes back and helps you out in the long run. It's like, it's, you're building your credit. Like I talk about in my book, your personal credit where you're the guy, but well, why did he help, help us out? Well, he likes me. He likes you. We knew we could do good business together. What did he get out of it? Well, nothing except for now two people he really likes are doing good things together. And this is just happening right now. I have a relationship Um uh, that started way back. A guy, uh, Mark Mastrov, <clears throat> who, you know, started 24 Hour Fitness, and him his partner, Jim Rale, uh, are like the gym guys in in the in the in the gym space. And I literally got in a taxi cab, and they were like, "Hey, can we split the cab with you in Vegas? We're leaving the wind. And I said, "Yeah, sure. We're going back to Mandalay Bay." <clears throat> and they start talking. This is maybe 12 years ago. And they were saying, you know, I'm Mark Mastroff and I'm Jim Rowley and we're actually from the Bay. And I go, oh, I'm in SAC. And they go, oh, yeah, we know who you are. We just got the rights to the UFC for doing gym, the gym franchises. So those guys own the UFC gyms. And, um, and they before owned 24 Hour Fitness and sold that for, you know, billions of dollars. And just super down to earth people that wanted to build a relationship. And it was literally the next week where they drove up, mind you, they've had some massive exits and I was just a struggling fighter at the time and met with me and told me what kind of what they were doing. And it was maybe, and we kept in touch and kept in good terms. It was maybe five to six years later before we ended up doing something where I owned two UFC gym franchises. And now we're talking about doing bigger things uh, down the road and and it's been 11 or 12 years. So um, they've also done some great things with, Frankie Edgar and Cub Swanson and BJ Penn and, and, and guys that they identified with as good people in, in the business. So um, those keeping those good people and good relationships uh, without some sort of immediate, what do I get is a big thing that people overlook a lot of times.
1: Man, I, I could not agree with that more. I just came from a conference out in, in uh, Florida this last couple of days. And there was a guy that got up and he literally just talked about that, you know, just putting other people first and not coming from a place of like, what can I do for you? And I appreciated it when you first got on the podcast and you were like, hey, man, like, what can I do for you? Which, you know, I, I'm trying to find ways to help you like that. This is worth your time. You're doing me a favor. But the fact that that was like the first thing out shows where you come from and where your mindset is. And I feel like nothing bad can come from doing good things for people. Like you said, if nothing else comes from it, who cares? At least you set somebody up for success. or You made an intro to somebody that they're happy. And I just love that mindset
2: yeah absolutely and it's funny because everything's about perspective like i talked about getting burned also in the past and guarantee you my perspective and their perspective on what went down is vastly different you know and even if they knew they were wrong at first it somehow molds into they feel like they're in the right or you know maybe i'm seeing it the wrong way but everything is about perspective so i have to realize that also like Whenever there's a real beef or something going on, or there's an issue, you know, I had, I had this happen, you know, not too long ago with one of the UFC employees that used to be a good friend. And then we had kind of a falling out and then I was bitter about it and he was bitter about it. And I finally had to be like, okay, like, here's where I was wrong and kind of fess up to what I did wrong to kind of mend that relationship. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, when you look at perspectives and you try to see the other person's perspective, it can help out a lot, even though it's. It's not always the best thing, you know, in your in your own individual situation, you know.
1: Well, I feel like, again, that's where some of the things of learning how to be calm in stressful situations that I've taken from fighting and you've taken from life and business, that helps you take a step back and really look at things from somebody else's point of view. And just looking at it from that other perspective and finding, like, where was I responsible for that and taking some self-accountability and literally going out of your way. To find what your responsibility is in that, I think is such a huge constant across all the entrepreneurs that are successful that I talk to, versus everybody else will dig through finding ways to take the blame off of themselves and realize it wasn't their fault. And I think that that's such a huge piece. Are, are you finding that that is kind of the same with fighters, is coming with no ego and looking for, you know, learning from your wins and your losses the same way?
2: Yeah, I think so. The fight game, there's a lot to be learned in the fight game, and it depends where you're at. but. I mean, you don't want to be the best guy in the room every frigging day. Uh, I mean, you want to try to be the best guy in the room, but you want to be able to get pushed and, and, and everything else. I, I think, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the fight game especially, uh, like, I don't know. There's a lot of things that have to align. It has to be the right connections, the right abilities, some good luck uh, and then a persistence and then, a, and then a mindset of like positivity that, that things are going to work or are are not going to work out like the way you want. So, um, a lot of things have to align, but at the end of the day, um, the cream will rise to the top. So many, so many people try to do the marketing part, but forget about the training part or want to have the look, but you know, it's like, you got to, you got to put the abilities first and show that you can first, and hopefully the other things will align. But if anybody has all the other stuff backwards, has the right connections and the right look, but doesn't have the right skill set, is eventually going to get exposed. It's, you know, it's not going to be a long career if you're not uh, stacking the odds in your favor on the on the hard work side, because you know this is a tough, tough game.
1: It's like Ray Longo always says, yeah, I remember uh, when Al and Al came out to one of my real estate conferences and Longo was like, what's the secret? And I was like, man, there, there really is no shortcut. There's no secret. People just have to show up and put the work in, which is what both those guys did. And he was saying, it's the same thing. You know, people walk into the gym. I want to get in shape. I want to be a professional fighter. I want to do X, Y, and Z. Like what's the shortcut? It's like, there is no shortcut. And if you're already looking for that, this is probably not for you.
2: Yeah, exactly. And the, and the best guys, and I, I could name the guys and I, you can look at my DMs to uh, to Dana White because I'm always harassed about my best guy. But uh, you know, I know the guys. They're not, they don't do anything but train. You know, that's it. Unfortunately, that's that's what it takes. It takes, and I and I talk about this a lot, and when I give speeches and whatnot, like there's some real value to hard work, having the right mentality, you know, getting up after you get get knocked down. But the unstoppable guy is usually not a decision. They usually get obsessed. They get obsessed with what they're doing. And then it's not. it, it negates work ethic and it negates motivation. It's an obsession. That's what BJ Penn said about when he, he was the first American to win the, uh, the BJJ World Championships in a gi. And he did it in three and a half years. And I go, dude, how did you do that? Three and a half years, in, and these guys have been training since they're little kids, and it's a whole nation, and you're the first one. And he said, man, I was obsessed because my, my experience with BJ was, like, I went there to train with him for 18 days, and, and he wasn't training the whole time. I think he, he wasn't obsessed anymore, but then when we went live, I was like, man, this guy's really good, right? Now, there was a time when he was obsessed with being the toughest guy on the island, then being the toughest guy in the world. Of being the best jujitsu player in the world and he couldn't stop thinking about it he's like i would go to bed and i was thinking this goes to that goes to this goes to that this goes to that and even if he was instinctively an, a lazy person passion and 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 uh obsession takes over so those guys i can identify the guys that are kind of obsessed in here and then you feed it then you feed it and you feed it and by the time the obsession when it will wears off you've got instincts and habits and a skill set that hopefully can't be reached and so that's why you can see guys that will get really good really quick get on top and then the other things start to play in well now i make a bunch of money i'm also world famous and now uh and what i have to do i have to keep doing what i was doing before obsession may not be the same but the habits are there the technique there all the gains are there from the obsession so You can only cross your fingers and hope you get obsessed about something. But uh, if you work like you're obsessed, you're going to have success.
0: If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesaling, fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fixed and good cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com, go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels if you go on www.nickandnick.com links you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together make it happen everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner best time to start is today
1: such great info man i was having a, a similar conversation with my uh my new buddy, James Krauss, who became friendly just talking through real estate. He's been on the podcast a bunch of times, but he was talking about the same thing. Like anything he's doing always has a purpose. It always has multiple things. So like if he's working out, he's listening to real estate podcasts. If he's doing something, he's, he's never just like wasting time or wasting energy. And I feel like, like you said, it, it just becomes that thing that you're, you're all in or you're all out. And that's sometimes what it takes to really separate the guys that just want to be on TV with a Lamborghini and the guys that are really going to be able to gut it out when shit gets hard.
2: Yeah, and James is another guy that I've spent a lot of time with, and we've talked over this business stuff, we've talked over um, a bunch of different things, you know, he's, he he became obsessed with, with chess and plays every day, I used to, I, I thought I was a lot better than him last time we played, <laughs> is, you know, he's, a, he's a smart, calculated guy, and he, he loves entrepreneurship,
1: Yeah, I I always have a great conversation every time I talk to him, man, there's like a 100 things I can still talk to you about. But one of the couple of things I definitely want to ask you about is, obviously, you have a, a, a very tough mental mindset, physical, all that stuff from from what you've been doing with all your fights, but you keep pushing through regardless and, I, and I've read other guys talking about you where they say, "Hey man, you see Uriah doing all this great stuff and having all these brands and all these businesses, but you don't see all the ideas that he has that don't go anywhere and I know probably now more than ever people are coming up to you with crazy ideas and there's probably a thousand different opportunities that all could be viable. How do you figure out how to prioritize your prioritize your time and prioritize your day you know is obviously you have to say no to a lot of stuff, so how do you decide how do you how do you figure out what's going to really move the needle and, and really Pick what you're going to focus on.
2: Yeah, a lot of great things that you mentioned. First off, there's been a ton of stuff that I've failed on because I am fearless and aggressive when it comes to thinking something's going to go and going after it. Um, the best things that have worked for me is the team that I build around it. Whenever it's just me or I'm the smartest guy, that's always the worst thing. You know, it's I have to find people that I... Really, really trust that fill in all the parts that I do not have, and that that is the hard part. So, uh, find those people. And I've been lucky enough. You know, one of my longtime business partners is Tommy uh, Surecamp. Tommy camp. I knew him in high school. He was a star athlete at one small school. I was uh, at another. Then he came to college year behind me. We were the one-two punch: one twenty-fives, one thirty-fives, one thirty-threes, and then. He quit his job to start helping me, working for Peanuts, really, helping me manage uh, my life when I started to kind of take off a little bit. And, you know, he's a partner with me on on multiple businesses. Now he started his own business, which is massively successful, and he still helps me out a ton. Um, Finding these people that are going to be there and want to be there for the right reasons and can see the bigger picture is key. Uh, and then finding things that are, that you're passionate about, because if it's just about the dollar, unless the dollar is your passion, which is not for me, but for some people, that's it. Like they cannot, I've got a a, a partner, um, Scott James, massively successful, sold, uh, sold the company uh, BSN for, you know, 155 million or whatever back in the day. And, And he's like a grinder, passionate guy. And, and, we had done some business together, but he would get a notification anytime anybody bought a t-shirt or anything. It was like, bing, bing, bing. And he was like, oh, got another order. Got another order. Meanwhile, he's had these exits. He's like counting these, you know, $25 orders that are coming in. He was like ah, getting a kick out of it when I really couldn't share less. I like, you know, and so me teaming up with him was great. He loves that kind of thing. And I had a, a vision, you know, and and so really figuring out where your strengths are and filling in the blanks. And then my kids have been a big help in that. Having my kids has made me really realize how important my time is. And so I'm much better now at being like, do I want, first off, how much work is that going to take me and how much of my time is that going to take? What's the real potential for it? Who's going to lead the ship? Cause it's not going to be me most likely. I have, you know, my passions are, being with the team, being an athlete, being a coach, uh, being a businessman. Um, so then I then I then I have to say, okay, who's the team or who could be the team, and how can I contribute? Will I be able to contribute with the right time? And so that that's kind of the the thing: passion, time, and the team.
1: I love that man. And as far as like your day, do you do you start out your day by like time blocking or writing like? a few things that are priorities for the day or do you just kind of go out and see what, what comes up? How do you structure what you're going to do every day?
2: So I talked about Tommy, uh, you know, his wife, Candy is been, and she's, she's amazing. She's, you know, partnered on this and her, him and her and Tommy own the new business, which is killing it. And, uh, so I just have her that helps me schedule my stuff and then I just shoot everything. I think you talked to her, right? I yeah. ask- had no idea what I was doing until I heard, she said, hit this button. So I hit the button and that's why I was like, Hey, give me the lowdown again. What's going on? (laughs) I remember right when we started talking, but, uh, so that has helped me out tremendously. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as my day goes, I try to do as much action as I can throughout the day. So I will get up and I'll have the things that I have to do and then everything else will be filled in with something productive. Uh, I mean, like literally that I have, I'm, I'm like running options. I'm like a quarterback that takes the ball and I know kind of the play. I can either toss it to the running back. I can either throw the ball. I can spike to the ground, stop the clock. I can run it myself for a touchdown. And that's how my day is. I, I keep it just valuable enough to pack it as much as possible, but I have to be getting the most out of it.
1: I love that, man. And you know, you, you find ways to do everything. So obviously it's working. Whereas I feel like just training to be a pro fighter or being a successful coach or writing a book or investing in real estate, those are all things that people talk themselves out of or don't understand what actually goes into them. And you've been able to manage that successfully for a long time. So you're obviously doing something right. And I think writing a book is another thing that people always say they want to do and they never get around to it. And I absolutely loved your book, man. I, I have to say- I I probably admittedly had some preconceptions of who you are. And when I read that book, I, I was almost embarrassed because I was like, I had this guy all wrong. It, it was a big thing of what made me a really a big fan of yours or watching the way you built up and the background that you came from. But I've been lucky enough to be on, on some podcasts and be friends with some guys like the, the Bigger Pockets podcast I was on not that long ago. And those guys have become really cool. And, you know, I I got um, we're talking about jujitsu and stuff, but they always ask, like, what books you recommend Like, it comes up in almost every podcast I've guested on. And your book is always the one I recommend. And even when they're like, well, you know, what about a business book or real estate book, my favorite part of your book that really I think of every day when I start to go down a path of just being negative or shitty or petty or just stuff that, you know, pops up over the course of the day when you're going through some stuff. I always think of when you talked about how they asked you if you could go and speak for your dad getting the pin. And they say, can you send, tell us some stories about the times that were bad when he was drinking? And you immediately said, no, I can't. But I could basically fill your day up with good times about when he wasn't. And I was like, yeah. that is a choice. That's what it's all about. And that just really completely shifted. And I, I just felt like I understood you better. And that, to me, always stuck with me. And because of that, I push it on everybody of that's how you need to be thinking for personally and professionally about everything. And I just, I really can't say enough good things about the book and about how that lesson in the book has helped me in my life and my business for years now.
2: I appreciate that, man. Yeah. My dad is like my dad. And I really can't remember. I mean, I, I remember a few things here and there that were more related to, uh, you know, his relationship with my mom at the time where he was hit, being heartbroken. But for the most part, my dad is where I learned that from. He's like, he's like a dog. You could kick him, leave him out, forget to feed him. He has to sleep in the rain and he's still excited to see you. Like, that's my dad. And so, uh, I think I learned that from him and, and on, on a, on a point of, um, what you're talking about for, uh, like the, the, the mindset of going into things like so much is a choice and, and it's like, how am I going to play this? You know, how, how am I going to, how am I going to take today's issue and, and make the best of it and whatnot? And it's hard. You can't always be doing it. Um, the perfect way. Cause things are going to get to you, et cetera. And the worst things are things that you can't stop thinking about. Like you ever been heartbroken because of a girl and, and like, you can't go to sleep because you're thinking about this or that, like, like that kind of shit, or you're in trouble. And you do have to go to the fucking principal's office. And so you can't stop thinking about it. Like those things are hard for me to deal with. And I hate having that. And so I have to find places where I can lose myself. Uh, I was getting kicked out of college, uh, you know, they're trying to kick me out of college for me just being me back back in the day. And, and I remember uh, just having to go to practice. And it was a time during day during the day when I was in the moment and doing things where I didn't even have time to sit and think about how things are bad or this or to worry about this or worry about that. On the other term, my, my other buddy got in a fist fight and they wanted to kick him out of school and he was going to quit wrestling to focus on the trouble. And I'm like, bro, that sounds like the worst idea ever (laughs) doing something that you love. So you can focus on something that's ruining your life. Uh, I would try to juggle both if I were you, you know? So yeah, I I appreciate that. And and the book thing was so funny because I was asked to write an article for uh, for somebody about, I can't remember what the topic was. And so I go, yeah, I'll, I'll think about being a guest writer for one of these magazines and write something. And this was back 2008 and I started writing and I just didn't stop. I stayed up super late that night and kept writing, writing, writing. And then uh, I remember I had a, uh, my girlfriend at the time wrote a note and said, I read your book. I really liked it like that. And it was only, you know, seven, eight pages of, 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 of writing, but I was talking about a lot of stuff that's in the book. And, And it took me a couple of years to put that whole thing together And then I had to kind of massage it, but I want to go back and read it. I haven't read that thing in a long time. I'm curious what has changed in my mindset. If anything, um, if there's little things I'm like, Oh shit, I'm older now. Cause I was in my twenties when I wrote that with that book, really 28, uh, 29, maybe, maybe younger. So, um, yeah, I, I appreciate you, you, you getting something out of that book and, and, uh, it was a, it was a good learning thing for me. And I think the most important thing at the end of that book that I said, uh, was hey these are my lessons that i've learned from my experiences for me and i encourage other people to make their own lessons and their own laws based on their experiences and what's happened to them and maybe you'll share some of my same experiences maybe you won't but my message at the very end of that was like me saying hey this is what i learned this is what i learned this is what this is my law that was for me hopefully you like some of it or it helps you but make your own laws Based on your own experiences,
1: I love it, man. I think all that is so timely. And again, like you were saying, when you talk to the guy that's twenty, it sounded like he was fifty. That does not read as a book that was written by a guy in his mid to late twenties. That sounds like somebody that has a hundred years of life experience. So I got a lot out of it, and highly recommend it to everybody. So thank you for writing that, man.
2: Appreciate it, bro. Thank you.
1: Definitely. So I know uh, you were getting a little tight on time. One last thing before I go into kind of all the stuff that you're working on, uh, fellow Sarah Black Belt, Paul Smash Harrison, Paul Smash Harrison. Um, one of our other black belts, Abe said, Hey, a- ask him if he remembers me. We we shared a cell once. <laughs> is this is,
2: <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> that's right, dude. Only the, only the second I've been, I've been in jail overnight once. And I wrote about it in my book, I think, uh, in Palm Springs. And then the second time was on my way to go watch Sarah GSP two in Canada. And because I had had that first night in jail, uh, back in 2004 or five or whatever they fucking stopped me at the at the canadian border and and i literally like they're like oh can you they're asking me have you ever done this you ever done that blah blah, blah. i'm just answering honestly like oh, can you have a seat over there i go yeah sure this is at the canadian border i was a guest fighter by the ufc to go go watch this fight i'm like one hour goes by two hours go by four hours go by and I got Abe, and uh, so it was another buddy too. I can't remember who the other guy was, but uh, we're there for fucking twelve hours at the airport. Then they handcuff us, put her in a, put us in a, in a truck, and drive us to a facility. And we get like a, like a piece of cheese and a piece of white bread and like, oh. like a thing of generic cereal, and like, send us back to the airport and send us home. So we had some fucking amazing times and hilarious talks at that time. And that they're real tight with Sarah, but we were all in the same boat. <laughs> Pretty funny. Tell him I said, what's up?
1: I definitely will. He's a good dude. He's another one. Just great business mind. He's just killing it right now. And he's a good dude. He just got his black belt. So good guy right there. And uh, obviously we won't dig too much. I was there for that, but we'll focus more on Sarah GSP one than we will Sarah GSP two for <laughs> so shout out to Matt over there. Ever wanted to play the drums or do
0: you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up. Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real McCansons, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He's played all over the world and he's also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught. Tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. You can teach adults, kids, advanced beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer. D-R-U-M-M-E-R to 833 632 585 Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R to the number 833 632 0585 for your free online drum lesson
1: there, but man, this was really awesome. It was, uh, you know, I've been wanting to speak to you for a long time. I thought you dropped a lot of value here. How do people work with you? What are you working on? How can people find you? How can we help you talk all things you eye a favor, man?
2: So I'm getting ready to, to launch that, that MMA university, which is going to be awesome. I'll probably come out and talk to Sarah and Longo about that when it gets a little further along. Um, also I'm working on this Acai right now. It's, you know shipments are really hard because everything's backed up all over the US but we're getting ready to launch this açaí brand which is going to be amazing it's it's you know I am partnered with two guys in Brazil and my my Brazilian jiu-jitsu coach Fabio Prado it's the best açaí man it's so good my partner's own the island and the other partner owns the factories in Brazil so it's it's super fresh and we're going to be doing in 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 in-house uh, refrigerators for for little gyms and do distribution like that you can order it online it's going to be amazing so keep your eye out for both of those projects other than that man i i've got you know our alpha male everything alpha male we've got you know team alpha bjj with affiliates we've got our team alpha uh MMA where you can come train and and eventually be part of the team your know, destination training for for guys we've had a lot of guys come through to do that uh <clears throat> I've got trifecta nutrition, which is the amazing brand it was sponsored the UFC and helped design the whole program for the UFC. And that's a Sacramento based company that I was, uh, lucky enough to be partnered up with from the very beginning. So that's killing it. Check out trifecta nutrition and, um, everything, everything, uh, else, you know, to be, to be continued. So keep your eye on it. I'm doing some big things here locally, but, uh, follow me on Instagram and, and, and Twitter and all that good stuff. And, and we'll catch up soon.
1: Awesome, man. Yeah. I think I, I was out there once uh, doing a real estate conference and I think I Quinto was trying to hook me up with you to help me get some, uh some tips on my guillotine, man. So I got to look up with you at some point for that, but you yeah. couldn't do it because you were actually getting like an award from the city of Sacramento.
2: Oh yeah, man. I've been, I've been decorated reward. I appreciate all the support and I like, especially after retired, like, Everybody wanted to, you know, it's funny, you don't take time to smell the roses when you got your nose in the grindstone. And, and you know, the retirement piece was a time where I, I literally focused on, on getting myself in a position financially uh, that I wanted to be. And then I was able to come out of retirement. So um, appreciative of all the people that, that appreciate me.
1: Definitely, man. Well, I certainly do. I, I very much appreciate that you were kind enough to come on. Give me an hour of your time and share your experiences. You're, you've been a big inspiration to me, obviously, to I Quentin, to a lot of other guys. So I very much appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Any final thoughts before we let you go?
2: I appreciate you guys. Raging Al, Aljo, Sarah Longo. Love you guys.
1: Awesome, man. The California Kid, obviously, check the show notes. All the links will be in there. Have a great day, my friend.
2: So what's